Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, a little bit of a double dip here with this episode. We're going to have double post game. Uh, Kentucky, Ohio from Friday night. We're going to discuss that. Kentucky's win, uh, 77-59. Then we're also going to discuss the senior day win for Kentucky football, a 56-16 to win versus New Mexico State. We were right around that mark when we were talking predictions. 52, right? That's what we said. Yeah, 52. After you talked yourself down from 60-some, right? Is that what it is? I kind of wish I hadn't. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm patting myself on the back. I said Vanderbilt would cover against Ole Miss, and it did. So I said we both said Clemson would beat Wake Forest. We missed the Iowa State one. Uh, I'm trying to think of the top. I significantly missed Ohio State. Uh, Remember when I I said that they wouldn't cover? Yeah. (laughs) I think there was another game with the big spread that uh, we missed on. I don't know. I know there were some wild days. I mean, Dan Mullen's out. So now you've got LSU open. you got Florida open. I mean, there, there's a lot going on right now. If you're a Kentucky fan, I mean, a lot to follow in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, once that – I mean, it's already cranked up, no doubt about it. There are a lot of openings, but – we might need to devote an episode to that and like maybe how it affects UK here once some dust settles. But uh, I mean, even Troy today coming open, um, John Summerall was an assistant there under Neil Brown. He was in play the last time that that job came open. So, I mean, he might be somebody to watch. He's an Alabama native, uh, born and raised there, I think near Huntsville. So it's definitely going to affect UK, I think. And then once you see these staff starts to get assembled, maybe some guys get, um, you know, get looked at. It's just, that's just how it is. But We'll catch up to that at some point. Um, Sean, Friday night, I was I came away very impressed yeah. with the second half performance. Really, even the first half performance, given what they were down. But in the second half in particular, I thought there was a lot to be encouraged about uh, in Kentucky's 77-59 to 59 win over Ohio. Yeah, that's that's what you texted me, too. You said, I'm very impressed with this. And, and that's what you wanted to like, – and we've been saying it for the last, what, couple of weeks – I said, I really don't know what we're going to be able to take from this non-conference schedule because there's not really those quality opportunities. But that was a team that upset Virginia in the NCAA tournament last year. They came in with a really good game plan. They had a guy get hot. They had a good first half, and Kentucky kind of weathered the storm. They weathered the foul trouble with Oscar Sheboy. Bross Hopkins was huge in that first half. And then they had some guys get going. Tata Washington had a good night. Uh, the, the rebounding, the collective rebounding from Kentucky's guards, is if Oscar's not on the floor – that's what it's going to have to be. And, and then, too, how much do you think it helps those guys in practice to have to rebound against him? That you have to be able to rebound the ball. You're not getting any against him in practice. I mean, they're having to hold – if you're having to box him out, you're getting better in return. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky had a 36 plus, plus 36 rebounding advantage, and Oscar was held, I'll say held, to 10 rebounds uh, and basically one half. So, I mean, Kentucky got after it on the glass. Um, Hopkins did a great job weathering the storm there. Um, really, really, really tough first half for Collins. He couldn't really stay. He couldn't guard, basically. Um, and, you know, he was the next man up with Toppin and Ware still out. So, that sent Keon to the five, which wasn't really that bad against a team like that because they were pulling their bigs out anyway. They didn't have any, you know, seven-footers who were just going to play on the block. That You know, the matchups, it wasn't. Carter could do a lot. Vander Plaza, who you're talking about, had a great game, played 39 minutes. But those aren't guys that, you know, are going to kill you on the block. A lot of their damage, I mean, Vander Plaza at three threes. So a lot of his damage was from out there. Um, 
but they, yeah, that first half to really be able to stay afloat. They took a two point lead into the break. Um, didn't play that great. And Sean, one of the numbers I uh, laughed at because we were talking about it. Um, when Cal looked at the stat sheet and said, you're going to have games where you hit three or four. Well, that was that was a three or four, huh? They went three for 16 from three. But the flip side, and this is what I was talking about in last week's episode, much better job getting to the free throw line. 17 yeah. is not a huge number, but it's much better. They'd only been averaging nine going into that game. And this is a good free throw shooting team. I, I feel good saying that. I mean, it's they went 16 for 17. That's a very good day. It's 94%. But coming into that game, they were 81% as a team. And it was a smaller sample. I mean, I get it. It was only 27 shots. But I do think this is going to be a good group at the line, and I thought that was very encouraging to get it there. Some bad numbers, 15 turnovers wasn't great, um, but the rebounding numbers were very good. Uh, bench points, very good. They had to play a lot of bench guys, obviously, with the foul trouble. Uh, points. Really the only thing they didn't do that well was shoot the ball, and they turned it over. I mean, they didn't shoot threes that great, and they turned it over a lot. Yet they still beat a pretty good opponent by 18 points. I thought that was a, a very good night for UK. Yeah, and I think now they're, what, 24 of their last 25 from the free throw line over the last two games because they were 8 of 8 against Mount St. Mary's. So, I mean, they're they're shooting the ball well from the free throw line. So, that's why you want to see them get there more. Uh, but, no, I, I was really impressed. I think another thing that you got to take away is, man, that was the first time that we've heard Rep Arena roar in a long time. Yeah. On that run there in the second half when, when Mintz laid it in, that that was a huge roar, and Mintz, that's a guy we got to talk about. He didn't play a ton the game before. He played a ton that game and in the second half, and uh, just I was really impressed with what he brought to the table, and I think that that's exactly what he's going to do this entire season. He's going to be there when they need him, and then he's going to play a little here and there, but when they really need him like that game, he is so valuable. I mean, the guards got after it on the boards. Wheeler had uh, six, Washington had 11, and Mintz had nine. I mean, you got 26 – uh, yeah, 26 rebounds right there. They gave Washington the guards. One. Did you see that? Oh, story? okay. Oh, no, I didn't see that change. They, so, yeah, I'm looking at that step broadcast. So they, they sent it out. It was like late Friday. I think it might have been after midnight. They said that the one was given to Mintz, and then it should have been Tatas. It was uh, an email late Friday night. Oh, okay. So it should have been eight for Mintz. Yeah. Okay. So, so still was, 26. Did you so. see? And then Tata after the game when uh, he was asked about out rebounding Oscar, yeah. and he was like, I know machine. I Tata. I, I, I just, I, it's <laughs> because you're getting to see the personalities with this group too. They're, they're fun to interview. And you and I've talked about this. This time of year, most times with John Calipari teams, there's not many storylines. It's usually all about the freshmen and whether they're on par with their development or where they, where they should be or whether they're, they're not living up to expectations. This team has been writing storylines for us. I mean, it's something different every single game, and it's not just one storyline. It's like five or six. You had the, the Huggins-Oscar stuff. You had Mintz coming on. You have, you've had Damian Collins for a game. Like, it's been something different every game. Like, I've had like 10 things to write about. Yeah, that Oscar, uh, I mean, that's – it's Very probably good. putting a bit of a strain on – I mean, I think Cal respects the guy. I mean, they've been friends a long time. But, like, it's time to move on if you're Bob Huggins. I and mean, that's ridiculous, bringing him up unprompted in, an, in like a year later in a press conference, especially when the kid is – I mean, to say that he doesn't work harder or whatever when he's averaging more rebounds than anybody in the country, just it's just sour grapes and everybody can tell. And, uh, I mean, Bob, Bob Huggins should be above that, that, his stature in the game. Bad well, look for him. 
<laughs> and I, I said, I tweeted this. If you're going to say anything about Oscar, you say, hey, man, I, I see what he's doing right now. He's leading the country in rebounds. I, I'm glad it's working out for him. I'm, right. I mean, how many times have you heard Cal say that about guys? Cal publicly tweeted about Johnny Juzang during the tournament last year or say something about someone else who's left. I mean, you can be upset. You're allowed to be upset that it didn't work out, but you can't go public and say something like that, especially when it's unprompted at all. I mean, there was no reason for his quote to even go. Like, I read the quote multiple places, and I'm like, okay, I need to see video. Like, what was the context of this? And I can't find it, but you can still tell there was no way that he should have even been brought up. Yeah, I mean, bad on his part for sure. Um, some other takeaways from this game, Keon Brooks turned into Trey Lyles in the mid-range game. It seemed like he had everything. Um, didn't hit any threes. Went over three from three. Washington, uh, he took, you know, his one three really ignited the crowd. Was was on a was part of the 8-0 run. Uh, it was only three he made. Allen came in, hit his only three, and then Bryce Hopkins hit a big three there in the first half. But otherwise, not a great night shooting, um, you know, I want to see more shots for Kellen Grady. That's one thing I want to see. He is not, at least in Cal's mind, obviously just from the way that they talk, he is not on the Dante Allen defensive level. But Kellen's main strength of his game is not not defense. He's out there to make shots. Agree? Yeah, he, he is. And you want to yeah. see them run some stuff for him. Yeah, he needs uh, to be taking more than two shots a game. Well, Mint's got a lot of those minutes in the second half. Of his. Once they found a lineup, and that, that was the one thing that I'll say that I really liked that Cal did. Once they found a lineup that meshed Friday night, he stuck with it and just kind of let it go. Oscar started rebounding everything. I thought there's a couple of pictures Keeley got where Oscar probably should have picked up some more fouls. He had his hand on an Ohio yeah. player's face on one. And then I thought he went over the back there late in the game on a rebound. Well, they, they got him for two ticky-tack ones to start, took him out of the game. So, uh, you didn't say it balances out. Um, you know, one thing I want to say about Mintz, and I think you can say it about the whole team in general, but just from listening to him talk other night, he has taken a lot of pride in his defense. And I think that's probably what kept him out there for most of the night. But he was, he was scoring, too. I mean, he had 12 points. He got to the line more than anybody. He took five free throws. And he was rebounding. Mean, he was doing everything you'd want him to. It wasn't just his defense. But – um. He is a better defender, I would say, than Kellen Grady. Um, so that will help him in that regard. But that was nice to – and I thought about that uh, because I think – correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was a time when Mintz, Wheeler, and uh, Grady were all in. It was a very veteran – I think maybe Bry I think Bryce would have had to been with that group. But it was four old guys and then him. And I was like, man, that is a nice guy to be able to turn to in a situation where it wasn't looking too good there early on. They weren't really playing that great. He came in, kind of stabilized it. And then the bigger point I wanted to make, and it's not to say that other teams under Cal haven't played hard. I don't don't want to say that. But I feel like this group really, really gets after it. They defensively do. Defensively in particular. They do. I agree with that. And then Savir getting downhill. The the play where he he spun and then dished it off to to Mintz and Mintz hit the reverse layup. I mean, Rupp Arena went nuts on that one. But then you saw Ty Ty Washington get going and have a big game himself. You know, we've been waiting on that uh, ever since the exhibition schedule ended. And when was he going to have a big night? I, th I thought it was good to see that. Uh, th this team has so many different guys that when they're all clicking, Derek, I think this is going to be a pretty good team. I mean, they, they beat a good basketball team Friday night. And, yeah, they had the lead at halftime. It was close. Uh, but when you look at the final score and you look at the box score and the rebound, the way Kentucky was able to dominate the glass without Oscar for 20 minutes was very, very impressive.
Yeah, and I'll say this too. I thought Ohio had a lot of good looks from three that it just didn't knock down. Um, and that was the way they wanted to play. I mean, they took 24 threes. Like, like I said earlier, that was not a group that was built to, you know, play around the block. I mean, they played to their strengths. Carter is a five who can pull you out. I mean, they, you've heard their coaches and, and, you know, Carter himself say after the game, they felt like they had an offensive advantage in that matchup with Oscar, pulling him out from away, away from the basket. And they did. I thought the first foul on him was a bad call. I mean, he just. Yeah. It was. You just you should let that go, especially that early in the game. It wasn't that much contact. Um, the moving screen, I didn't get a very good look at. Maybe it really was. Um, but after the I mean, it was just kind of compact. I mean, that place was mad in the first half because it seemed like a. It wasn't a great whistle, but then I thought in the second half they they more so let him play. It seemed like to me anyway. Or just the flow of the game. Are fifteen block shots correct? No. What am I looking at here? I'm looking turnovers at- probably. UK had 15 turnovers. It's, it and, says it says 14 here on the thing that I'm looking at on stat broadcast, and it says 15 blocks. Where is that? What is that? I see two blocks on here. So okay, the I only other 15 I see is a points off turnover. Ohio had 15 points off turnover. That's the only two 15s I see in the. Okay, something's messed up because it has Xavier Wheeler with three blocks. Is that steals? Um, Wheeler had. Zero stills, according to this. I have no idea what I'm looking. That broadcast at. has been off this year, though. Yeah, this is so. this is nasty looking. <laughs> I was like, wait, 15 blocks? Did I miss that? Tata had a block. I do you remember that? And then they gave Keon a block. Those are the two blocks in here. Yeah, they had, uh, only wrong. two stills. Mints and uh, Washington had stills. No, no stills for uh, Savier. Okay. Never. Oh, I see what I'm looking at. The way it's it's not lined up accurately. It's turnovers. Gotcha. It's turnovers that's that I'm looking at. So 14 assists, 15 turnovers. Is that yep. correct? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't right lined up in the right column. And that broadcast has been a mess this year. You almost yeah. can't you almost can't rely on it. I had to, I looked up at the video board a couple of times just to go off what who had rebounds and stuff because I was like, look, I've been burned by step broadcast so many times already. But no, it was a very good win. Derek. Hey, uh, yeah. Basketball is a rough game with that too because it's so fast paced. If you get behind, start hitting the wrong things, it can take you like two TV timeouts to get caught up on that. Which yeah. they did that. I think one of the first games of the year they had to do that. Yeah, it's it's been wrong uh, multiple games. So hopefully, uh, I mean that's a that's a tough job to have football a little bit easier. Uh, which leads us, I guess, are you done with everything on the basketball side? Yeah. Ready to move over to football? Let's let's talk about it. I mean, it was Senior Day. Had a lot of seniors make plays. I thought that was really cool to see. And that's what you hope for on senior day. The last hurrah at Kroger Field for a lot of guys. We know some guys may return, kind of remains to be seen. Uh, But overall, sure, Kentucky turned the ball over a lot, like they have all season. But they got to that eighth win. They're back in the top 25 in the coaches poll, number 25. I know they're still outside the AP poll. But they're eight and three. They took care of business. And when you look at it, Eight win seasons in the regular season at Kentucky, it, it's not happened very often. So you've you've got to give credit for where, where it's due, and where and where they've earned it, and they they earned it. I mean, this is historically a good season for Kentucky football, even though in the back of people's minds, if they lose to Louisville, I would agree that it's not a great season. But when you look at historically, you have to give them credit for doing something that's not been done very often. Definitely. I mean, they were three points. Well, not just – I mean, they were a close loss to Tennessee away from going undefeated at home, which I don't I don't even know when the last time that would have happened. Well, I mean, I don't – I think you have to go back. Oh, maybe the 77 team would be my guess. The next closest, I have no idea if they – yeah, 
Yeah, I think they did actually. I think they lost at Baylor now that I'm thinking about it. Um, good point about the seniors. That was something that kind of stood out. For, uh, on a funny note, what really stood out to me is poor Wondell Robinson came so close to getting in the end zone three times. I just could not get there. Got knocked out of bounds three times inside the 10, I think. Um, I say inside the 10 because one of those, he caught the ball at like the four and fell down to the two, and they spotted him out at the six. <laughs> um, but then he had another one. He got knocked out at the four. I think he might have had two where he got knocked out at the four because then Rodriguez fumbled on one, and then Ali had the – or did Ali have the touchdown on the one? Was there a false start before that play? I know he scored from nine yards out, but I can't remember. Might have just been first and goal. But, uh, yeah, Ali had a career day, seven catches, 164, two touchdowns. Justin Rigg made the most of his two catches. They both went for scores. And then Wondell, just a huge day. I mean, he's got a chance. I mean, I think at this point, you know, you hope the kid doesn't get injured. Like, I think that's about the only thing that's going to keep him from uh, from not setting the single season. He just needs six more, right? Yeah. Assuming he plays the ball game. I mean, that should be a I, Louisville's not going to hold him under six, six catches. No, no chance. That they're some, six. Someone must have sent James Whalen my tweet too yesterday because I noticed on Facebook he posted the picture of my tweet saying he hopes that he breaks it and he's going to break it. And honestly, the yeast record's within reach. If you when you count the bowl game and the bowl game counts towards statistics, you saw Benny Snell break that record against Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, big game against Louisville, and you could see Wandell going in, need 100 yardage somewhere around there to to break the single-season record for receiving yards. He's had a, an unbelievable year, which bodes well for Kentucky in the transfer portal and recruiting. And Will Levis had a, a really good day, too. I mean, we're Will Levis is doing things that's not been done since Andre Woodson, and that's that's how you know Kentucky has certainly upgraded the quarterback position. We can throw the caveat out there, and it needs to be noted. Like, New Mexico State's – you can't pick really any worse FBS teams to play. They're, they're about as bad as it gets. Um, with that said, <clears throat> excuse me, and message boards and Twitter aren't – you know, it's not – it's a pulse of an online fan base, but it's not – you know, it's just one segment of fans. There are probably a lot of people yesterday who had a great time watching that game. I was surprised on my Twitter feed at the, like, anger <laughs> – from people in that game. I, I don't know if it's a hangover from losing to Tennessee or just the fact that they gave up a few scoring drives or what. But uh, even when Levis got picked off, I had people tweeting about, like, how bad it was. And, I mean, the kid had, like, already thrown for 400 yards at that point and four touchdowns, and I was just a little surprised. I mean, maybe that's not – no, maybe that wasn't your read on it, but just from tweeting, reading, like, it seemed like people were maybe a little angrier than what they should have been considering – like you said, Levis threw for 419 yards. It's the most yards in a passing game since 2007 when Andre Woodson, I think, threw for 430. Yet, uh, much better opponent, yes, but also four overtimes that game. Um, I think it was, four, it was four overtime. I think it was four overtimes that game, 52 to 50. And then as a team, 707 yards, I believe, is the second most ever in a game in UK football history. So, like, there was a lot of good things. And as much as the defense has been kind of criticized, which rightfully so, for some things they didn't give up a touchdown yesterday the only touchdown scored was on the fumble on the opening drive for UK gave up a, a you know cheap score before the half on the field goals like I, I get that it wasn't perfect but they pitched a shutout in the second half they won by 40 you know I think there was a lot to like about yesterday's game yeah there, there was and just what uh, just what I was saying too about eight win seasons I mean Mark Stoops has two of them now I mean he had the nine win season in 2018 and then eight wins now, chance to get nine next week. I mean, the last one before those two was 1984. 
I mean, he it's it's incredible to think that they how how much they've struggled as as a program to get to eight in the regular season, and they got a great opportunity to to get to nine if they can win at Louisville, and then you do that twice, and it goes back to what we were talking about when the season started. I mean, ten wins was there. If if they would have executed, had they beaten Tennessee, they had an opportunity at, at ten. Is it frustrating that they didn't get it? If you're a fan, absolutely. But they still have had a really good season. If they cap it off with a ninth win against Louisville, it's been another really good year. Another year that can continue to build the program and, and take it upward. Kind of have to pull an upset, huh? Yeah. To finish well, off the year. You have to. But th the thing that's different about it, too, is there was – I think there was a lot of pressure that year in 18 to, to finish it off and have a good year. They got that 10th win, the Citrus Bowl. This season is different to me because, sure – Everybody wanted them to get the double-digit wins regular season and get to a New Year's six. But if they just win nine or if they just win eight, I think you can – I'm actually starting to lean that it's been successful, and here's why. They've done the one thing that they've not been able to do for a long time, and that was throw the football and showcase wide receivers and a quarterback. It's been successful because they're going to be able to now recruit those positions so much better than they have been able to in the past, regardless of where they finish with record. Yeah, I, I agree. Looking at it in that way, for sure, that's unquestionable that they've taken a step forward. I mean, they had their they had their duds this year. I mean, they didn't even throw for 100 yards against Florida. They had some some other Levis had some other bad games where he didn't put up a ton of yards, but he had the 372 against Tennessee in a conference game. You know, he had regardless of how bad the opponent was, we've seen. <laughs> the last 10 years than play teams as bad as New Mexico State at either the FCS level or some of these low FBS teams, and they couldn't throw for this many yards. So, I mean, you can tell that Levis is getting more comfortable. The pieces are there um, to continue to improve on this offense, and I do agree with you in that regard. However, I will say this too. Uh, I, I do think that Louisville game, you can't, you can't lose this one. You, you can't lose the Louisville here. I think Louisville has come on – stronger for sure at the end of the year they're coming off two very lopsided wins i mean the syracuse game was a close spread they played great beat those guys 41 to 3 and again i mean syracuse is a very one-dimensional team can't throw the ball at all they can run up pretty well uh, very well actually going into that game i think they were like top five nationally in rushing yards per off uh, for an offense duke is i mean i think duke is just like they're on the vanderbilt level regardless they dominated. I mean, Malik Cunningham had one of the best games ever for a quarterback, like literally ever. 300 rushing yards over 200 – or 300 passing yards over 200 rushing yards. Only one other FBS quarterback's ever done that. So, I mean, they're doing some good things. And I think probably just the general negativity that came out of Louisville all year. Like, a lot of people still don't want Satterfield there. <laughs> and I, I said it in the preseason, I believe. I said it – I think I said it on here. I might have just said it to somebody else. But, like – I thought last year with the pandemic made it weird too, but I thought going into last year they were getting too much love, and I thought this year people were too far down on them because I think they were picked like next to last in their division. And Cunningham's a great player, but top to bottom, this is a UK's roster is better. To me, the one thing that would give you pause is that UK's secondary, particular corner, has been so bad. And not just the corners anymore, but just the secondary in general has been bad against, you know, you think there's probably an alley there for for Louisville, that is, to hit some big plays. With that said, I don't know that Louisville's going to be able to hold up for four quarters on the ground if UK is in a spot where it can kind of control the game. But it, to me, it's the passing 
Louisville's passing offense and then just Cunningham's general ability, I think he's going to be – they've not played a quarterback as dynamic as him in both the run and the pass this year. But the other thing that would concern me is, Sean, at this point, like it's a real thing where you have to consider the turnovers going into every single game. Like you just go in knowing that they might turn the ball over three times. And if they do that this game, they very well could lose for sure. And how many of those turnovers have come like Rodriguez on the goal line that have taken Three. points off the board? For the five, yeah. I mean, it's just you can't have that. Uh, you you go back to the the game that kind of swung the momentum in the series and kind of propelled Kentucky to what they're doing now when Lamar Jackson fumbled. Yep, like turnovers. you can't have you can't have that same scenario play out Saturday at Cardinal Stadium. It's a it's a night game again. Uh, it's crazy to think Kentucky's not been there since 2018 with the pandemic and everything last year, but. It's a chance to there, – there's no doubt Kentucky is going to be amped up. There's I have no concerns about Kentucky coming ready to play. I have no concerns about Louisville coming ready to play. It's a rivalry game. Louisville has had two years to sit on that loss, that embarrassing loss at Kroger Field. They're, going to, they're coming in thinking they can win the game. They're the favorite. Uh, but Kentucky needs to come in with a lot of pride and say, look, we, we went nine and three with a win here three years ago. Let's do it again. And you keep your chances of going to Florida for a bowl game again alive. I mean, it's, it's a big thing. Like, if they lose and they finish 8-4, and four, that bowl game is going to look a lot different than what it will at 9-3. and three. I mean, this is quietly, in my opinion, like, this is – I'm going to pull it up just to double-check to make sure I'm not just saying ludicrous things. But this seems like it has become, like, actually one of the – quietly over the weeks, one of the better rivalry games you, this week. Do you think this is the most – the biggest one that it's it's been in a while? when it comes to what's riding on it. I mean, both teams are both like the last time that they played at Cardinal stadium, Louisville was horrible. They weren't going to a bowl game. Yeah, I know Louisville's made a bowl game. Both teams have made a bowl game, but it just feels like this one. I mean, it's a chance to keep Kentucky at eight and four and not let them have another nine win season. It's Kentucky's one, two straight and dominated Louisville. Like, but now Louisville feels like that they've caught up a little bit. And Kentucky's wanting to go out there and show, hey, the talent gap's still there in the state. And then the way Kentucky's recruited in-state talent, you just uh, – and, and this close to signing day, too, you kind of want to have a good performance, don't you? hmm Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I do. Um, In terms of what I was saying, obviously Ole Miss, Mississippi State's a bigger game, but that's on Thanksgiving night. Um, on that Saturday, like outside Ohio State and Michigan, I don't know if there are any like just phenomenal rivalry games that day that people are really going to be tuned in for. We mentioned mm-hmm. Den Mullen earlier. I mean, FSU's not any good either. Um, Clemson, South Carolina. That's probably how it ended up in the 730 slot. <laughs> I just said it was one of the better games. 
Um, but no, going back to what you were saying, I, I do think uh, it just kind of snuck up, I think, like me included. But I think for almost everybody, I think, hell, to be honest with you, I think even if you ask Louisville fans, up until about two weeks ago, they probably still would have been saying that this was going to be a UK win. Yeah. Whereas now, I think with the way things have kind of gone, the way Louisville's played the last few weeks, I think people over there are going to look at it and say, you know what, there's a real chance to score some points in this game. Well, good news for UK is that uh, UK is really turned. And I know they haven't played some great teams here, but once they had 600 something yards against Tennessee, I think they started to feel better about, you know, UK can put up some points in this game too, for sure. I'll say this too about UK. And I mean, sure, they Vanderbilt the second half was not good. Like it was very hard to watch. Uh, at times, the way they turn the ball over against New Mexico State, you get frustrated. But here's the thing with me. They, they had that really, really good start to the season. You, you jump up to number 11 in the polls. You have everybody talking about you college game day, SEC Nation at all the games. And then you lose, and it's kind of deflating. But then you, you come back after the bye week and you lose again. Then you lose a heartbreaker to Tennessee. And then you have two games that do not get you excited. Like I'm, I'm, they don't, and that's I'm not knocking Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, but what do those games do? If you win them, your fan base doesn't feel any different. Yeah. If you lose them, they're crushing. But they won them. But even if they'd won sixty to nothing against Vandy, people were still going to be like, "Man, Kentucky still lost three straight games and lost again to Tennessee." Like it was one of those things that you just you got nothing out of them, other than just getting back in the win column. Now you get something out of this one. Oh yeah, and that's the then that's why I think that you're going to get the best version of Kentucky. Saturday. Well, and I think if you're on the UK side of things, like you're, I think if you're Louisville, you feel like less happy about being <laughs> opening as a favorite. Yeah, because like now, if you're Satterfield, like there's be people now who think that they should win that game, and I still don't lean towards like I still I'm going to pick Kentucky. I don't know what the score is going to be. Uh, guess we'll do that on our Friday episode, <laughs> um, but. To, or to me, like the early storylines I'm going to follow, I guess will be like, to me, if Louisville is to win, it's by doing the things that we all expect they might be able to do. And that's Malik goes crazy. And they hit some big plays through the year, which has been against, you know, these against, well, the three game losing streak. I mean, it's what happened, especially against Tennessee. And again, I don't, I mean, Tennessee does some things that, and Tennessee's athletes, I don't, I don't care. Like, they're superior like Tennessee's starters are good they are. I, don't, I don't mind saying that like they're good they've, they've recruited really good players to Tennessee yeah like both their starting tackles are, are five stars and yeah. Hooker's playing a great he's doing great I mean their best players are USC transfers Mississippi State transfers like they have good players well it's always been, yeah go for it well I was just say Louisville like Cunningham's a great he's a, he's great I mean he's uh, for a quarterback, I mean, not even just for a quarterback, he's extremely fast. Uh, UK is not really seeing a guy who's going to test them on the, on the ground like this. But to me, you know, they're very much more of a – from what I've seen of them, and I haven't watched every single game, but, you know, they, they get a lot of long touchdown passes, or they have at times this year. So, you know, you want to see UK get back to that kind of – don't allow a ton of, you know, chunk plays. But that's kind of gone away here at the end of the year. And if Louisville's to win, you would think they'd hit some of those. And then I think Kentucky's done a – have to help them out two three turnovers and yeah i absolutely think they can lose this game to me though i think uk's best game is still better than louisville's best game well and you, and you mentioned tennessee and that's where it's different tennessee has never been about the talent that they have right i mean they've always been more talented than kentucky i mean they've yeah. always like tennessee's always recruited better high-end talent 
than Kentucky. Louisville doesn't. Like this is Kentucky has the better roster. It's just about now. Do they execute and do they make plays and do they do they have enough to win? And I mean, I, I'm I'm going to pick Kentucky. I know I told you when I first started watching, I was like, God, they fumbled and everything. I'm like, if they come out here and look flat again today, I may pick Louisville. But the offense got rolling. They put up a ton of points. Wandell, in-state kid, wasn't recruited by Louisville. I mean, was he going to go to Louisville? Probably not. But I still would say that he wants to. That was hard to believe. It, it Very hard to believe. Like, very hard to believe. But you had Will Levis putting L's down before I think he really even knew what it was back in the summer. And some of them, remember the pictures before the season started that were going around to Will when he won the quarterback job and he has the L's down in the photo. I mean, these dudes know. Like, this is a big game. This is a big game for Vince Merrow. A uh, big game for Mark Stoops, all of them. They want to keep this winning streak going. And we'll see. Before we wrap up here, though, I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of Bo? I mean, we finally got to see him get some – opportunities there what do you think uh what do you think from him it looks like him and dingle throw the ball to each other on practice because that's two <laughs> games both games he played those guys connected on a on a decently long pass play ran for a touchdown he could have thrown it to magwood could have gave magwood his first key, uh, td but that's all right he kept it and ran it in oh he looked fine i did he, he made a good throw to harris on a third down um Wish they could have gotten more work this year because if Will Levis turns his ankle on the first play of the game against Louisville, you're going to wish that uh, your backup quarterback had some more run. But um, I, I really like the bell, by the way. Looks like a player uh, in, in other years probably would have helped them this year, but they were pretty good at running back. Along those lines, we're not in the business of, uh, you know, saying who's going to go and who's not. But uh, like Mike Drennan and Travis Tizzo didn't play at all. In that game, and uh, haven't played a whole lot. I mean, Tisdale's not really played at all this year. He might have played against ULM. I don't remember. Drennan's not played in, in weeks. You, uh, see, you see who's emerged and who hasn't. Well, yeah, also, I thought, what do you, you look anything into it in terms of uh, maybe saving him? Like, McLean didn't really run the ball at all. He only had two carries. Yeah. I think he, he did have a catch. Like, they finally connected on a pass to the running back on a swing pass. He caught it, ran it for seven yards. I would be stunned if McLean doesn't get more than two carries next week. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's smoke too. Yeah. Smoke only had three carries. That's the guy that I think is going to push. Like, I mean, a lot of people at this point think Rodriguez will come back. Yeah. And, and with the fumble issues, he's probably played his way into coming back. Right. Like who's going to draft him with the, the fumble yeah. issues inside the, the 10 yard line inside the five yard line. But I mean, he could come back. I texted, I texted you this over the weekend. I said, man, he could come back and own a lot of records at UK in the backfield, but McLean's going to be the guy that pushes whoever. That, yeah. that guy's good. And he does things in Liam Cohen's offense that other guys can't do in Liam Cohen's offense. That's what's going to separate him and add a different element to that offense next year. And you were right on, man. Like, I got to give you props. You said it after game three, game four, game five, game two. Kentucky's passing attack and its offense will do things in the back half of the schedule that will get you excited about moving forward. You said it multiple times, and they've done it. I mean, they've got – I mean, Levis is now 20-plus touchdowns. Chance to get to 3,000 passing yards. Like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good year considering where they've been as a program for the last nine to ten in that category. Yeah. Yeah, he needs, he needs to lot it up against Louisville if he's going to get to 3,000. He needs to average 278 these next two games. and uh, It's doable. He could do it. Yeah. I mean, he showed you in game and even against if you want to, yeah, a lot of his big games have come against non power five teams, but the 372 against 
Tennessee, I think, is enough to get you excited and say he could do it. Um, but, yeah, just the way that the schedule was set up, you knew once they got – I mean, really the only game you look at where they didn't do it was Mississippi State, and they had turnovers that game that got out of hand. Um, and, you know, he threw three picks. He, he was bad that night. He didn't play well. And because of that, you know, that's that's like kind of the one blemish on this back half because I think if he would have played somewhat well, you would have – I mean, this would have been four straight games going back to Georgia where he played well. So nobody um, that night. No, but no, nobody did. It was a tough night. I mean, by far their their worst game. I mean, that's where I kind of get to. And I was talking to uh, my buddy about this today. Um, and this could be another thing too. If Louisville beats Kentucky, then, then then you know maybe it was right all along. But like I think, whenever you score a lot of points, you look as good as they have. No matter who you play against, I mean that that gets people going. And uh, they they did. I don't care if it's Syracuse and Duke. They played very very well these last two games. They have. They, they also, you know, scored 13 points against NC State. They they didn't beat Clemson, had a chance to. I mean, but you can look at Louisville's schedule. Outside of Ole Miss, they could have won every other game. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But I feel like UK, I think people have been – and probably partly it's because they didn't play well in other games. Kentucky even in wins. They didn't they didn't put away Missouri when they should have. They had they were losing in the fourth quarter against Chattanooga. They turned it over three times against South Carolina. Could have lost that game, like – even from the get-go, people knocked that Florida win, which I didn't think was fair to UK, but national media, everyone went away from that game thinking that Florida had 15 penalties and had the ball all this time. Kentucky's offense did nothing, and, you know, Kentucky scored a fluke. Special teams touchdown. They shouldn't have won that game. LSU was like the one game that you can't, like, dispute in any way, unless you just want to say that they were done playing for Orgeron, which either way, that's not UK's problem. UK played a very good game that night. You lose to a Georgia team that you should have lost to. Like, they're not going to lose to anybody this year besides maybe Alabama or, like, Ohio State. Mississippi State was bad. But you're up 10-0 in that game, and then you couldn't stop them, and then you gifted them two touchdowns. You, you give them the ball twice inside the 25, and that was curtains that game. And then you play a Tennessee team that truly has an elite offense. You have the ball in the final minutes with the chance to win. And besides that, you know, they've won the other game. So I think almost, like – People have maybe been a little tough yeah. on this UK team. And that's it's why I think if they – yeah. So, I think if they go out and beat Louisville and play well, like, call me crazy. I think there's a chance UK wins this game by double digits. I really do. If they come out and, and if Louisville – I'll say this. If Louisville has matched the physicality, that's that's been the most glaring thing. And I haven't really looked at that 2018 game just because they had an interim coach. 2019, they knew Kentucky was going to run the football every single play, and they could not stop it. Not at all. And I know it's different players now. It's different. Even for UK, there's a lot of different guys on the line. But to me, that will be the test. If they can still not stop the run and UK is not putting the ball on the ground, I, I definitely think there's a chance UK can win this game by double digits. And I, maybe I'm crazy for saying that. I think but that's what I think. I don't think you're crazy. I think if they if they play well and Louisville has no answer for the physicality, then I think Kentucky will win. If they don't turn the ball over, I think they win by double digits. If they turn the ball over, Louisville's going to have a chance to win the game. I, I think Kentucky has to help Louisville win. I really do. But Louisville's at home, and when we'll see. But as we wrap up here, I do want to talk to you about one thing. This Georgia-Alabama game coming up in two weeks is massive. But I'll ask you this. Is it a changing of the guard? Is this like a – if Georgia wins this thing, is Georgia the new dynasty? I mean, the way they're recruiting right now and the way they're playing, I mean – Whereas Nick's, how much pride is Nick Saban going to have going into that game? 
that says, no, it's, it's still us. It's still our league. It's still our, our game. Like that's, are you going to have a game to me? That's more the most watched game in a long, long time. I, I think that that's what it is. I mean, you have a guy that's wanting to do what they've done for a decade now. Yeah, that's a good question. I was trying to – like, I, no, I think as long as Saban is there, they're always going to be in the hunt. Uh, to me, it's for, like, post-Saban. Like, I think that's when Georgia's going to – This will be the reason the playoff – this will be the reason the playoff <laughs> expands on it. Yeah, well, I was trying to think back. Like, you remember Saban, they weren't very good his first year at Alabama. They're 12-0 and the second year. They go, they get beat by Florida in the SEC championship. Florida goes on to win the national title. Florida that next year was undefeated, I believe. Yeah. And then Alabama finally knocked them off. And then since then, Alabama's been dominant. Of course, Urban Meyer left uh, after the next, after 2010, he left. So it wasn't like – that would have been interesting to see. Like, maybe that's somewhat of a comparable – but, like, it's still not that comparable just because these two teams have played. Like, what they've played once in the SEC championship game, right? Yeah, yeah once. And, and once Alabama the beat them. And then, yeah, and then once in the title. And then Georgia won the SEC championship that year over Auburn, but then lost in the national title in overtime to Alabama. So – I do think this is the year that Georgia finally beats them. Uh, but even if they don't beat them, I mean, they're still going to be in the playoff, well, which helps. But. If you're an SEC fan, you're probably pulling for Alabama, though, right? Because then you probably get two – you definitely get two teams in the playoff if Alabama yeah, you wins. Get two. Yeah, And, and I, I, I actually think that Alabama may win the first one and then Georgia wins the second one. I could see that playing out because I don't know. Like, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's a pretty big segment of UK fans who hate Ohio State, which I've never been able to figure out. Maybe they live closer to them. They they could win the title, man. They're good. Their offense is unreal. Like their wide receivers are unreal. Uh, you know, they're the kind of team that they can score at least. Uh, but I mean, I wasn't like buying this whole mission. I mean, like Vegas was telling you something the other day when they were 19 point favorite, despite it being like a two spot difference in the polls. But, uh, when you're up 49-0 over a team that had only lost one game in a Power 5 conference, like, that was incredible. They're probably looking at this thing, too, hoping Cincinnati gets in there, and that's the matchup for them, right? Cincinnati and Ohio? Oh, they will stay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so Oregon's out now with yeah, the Pac-12, loss. Pac-12 is done. And Big 12 is probably done, too. So, I think Cincinnati's probably going to get in. And, uh, I mean, they played Georgia last year in the Sugar Bowl, right? Or one of those bowl games. Maybe the Chick Fil A Bowl. One of those. No, he has one in Georgia. There's one in Atlanta. Um, I don't care. Cincinnati's not going to be able to score enough points to beat Georgia. No chance. Um, Ohio State and Alabama would be a fun as hell uh, semifinal game. I don't know if it would even set up that way. So, yeah. does, so Alabama, since they're number two, they would go to number one if they were. So it's going to be one versus two, assuming Auburn doesn't upset. Alabama, which seems very hard to believe, uh, considering they just lost to South Carolina. Hell, while we're talking about things, uh, I don't, I don't think it's like going to be huge for. I don't think it's. I mean, a whole lot in the long run. I'll say that, but I mean, hats off to Shane Beamer for getting them to a bowl game. Yeah, because <laughs> I think that roster is not very good. No, they had terrible quarterback issues too. It wasn't like I mean, they had injuries too. It wasn't really all his fault. And they beat Auburn and Florida this year too. Shocking results, I would say. Yeah, so, so credit to him for, for getting those guys that far. And I don't know if I've ever seen a program crumble or a team crumble the way Florida has, like as, as fast as they have too. I mean, this is – I mean, I remember when Dan Mullen got hired there a few years ago. They were talking like that was it. Kentucky had never beat them, and then they beat them twice. And 
uh, kind of makes you think, you know, you look at Dan Mullen, a guy that had it all at Mississippi State, was never going to get fired there. And, I mean, he made the right decision for himself. I mean, obviously, you go to Florida and you take that chance. But how much do you think that plays on Mark Stoops' mind and some of these other coaches that are in similar situations to where they've elevated a program to a place to where they're never getting rid of you? Do you look at that a little bit and say, man, like I saw how that played out. Do I want to take that chance somewhere? Because it's short-lived. If you don't win at Florida, if you don't win at LSU, you're gone in like two years. There is no time in those jobs. None. It's what are you doing for me now? Yeah, I mean, you got to like get them to a point where you're actually competing for titles and then like you can't drop off even if you do win a title. I mean, those are brutal jobs. I would stay away from that Florida. I know – you can give me all the pros about Florida. You can say building a brand new facility. You got all this access to talent. I would not want to be dealing with Kirby Smart right now. That's who you're going to be measured up against that's, Georgia. They're building an absolute beast. I would not want to. If I could go to LSU or USC, I'd take those jobs over Florida right now. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. If I mean, there's there's jobs in the state of Florida right now that are probably better than that one. If you can get it going, Florida <laughs> State and yeah Miami. I mean, you don't you don't want to be dealing with Kirby. I mean, that is uh, what he's doing right now. And that's – if he wins this one, man, it's just going to make it even harder to deal with him. I mean, it's – we've seen what it can do. The but, guys uh, who are who have to succeed at LSU, uh, Florida in particular, with what Kirby's doing. Like, Kirby eats, sleeps, and breathes, like, recruiting. They just got another five-star tonight. Like, like Urban Meyer was that for a while at Florida, and they saw number one glasses when he was there. You have to have that kind of guy that nothing else matters besides, like, 24-7 building the program. Mullen was not that. I would I would say most coaches aren't that. I don't know if Mark Stoops is that. Um, he's had to do a lot of work to get UK to that point, but like that that's a rough spot to be in. I think you want to hope that that, you know, I just don't see how Kirby, I mean, he's young. He's a Georgia alum. You would think he's in the situation he wants to be in and he's not won a title yet. Unless he just like wins a title and gets fat and happy or something, then <laughs> I don't see how they're like going to fall off not with the way that he goes about that job. I mean, no. And it, it really stinks for UK. I would say like, cause if it's 10 years ago with what Stoops is doing, they legitimately could have won the SECs 10 years ago. Multiple times. Yeah. But like now, I mean, you're going to have to have the season of your life and either beat Georgia head to head or hope that they slip up somewhere else. Cause it's well, looking very daunting to try and, to beat that kind and, of. And everybody else has been hoping for the same effect, right? Go get the Nick Saban assistant coach, go get the Nick Saban coordinator and you, you strike gold. Well, it's not worked out except for Kirby. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where it's worked out. I mean, you saw Tennessee try the same approach and it just was not, it's not the same, but Kirby and Georgia were like Saban and Alabama were a perfect match. Kirby and Georgia are a perfect match. And I think Mark Stoops and Kentucky are a perfect match, uh, but we'll have so a lot he, to talk uh, about. Yeah, last thing I'll say, uh, I don't even know if this is a true story, but uh, it's it illustrates the point, though, of, like, what a head coach does for a program. Like, Mark Rick, I think everyone agrees, was a, was a very good college football coach. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember exactly how the story goes, but, like, I had a friend uh, in college. Well, he's still my friend, but I, I met him at college. And he knew a lot of people from Georgia somehow. And, like, the, the thing was, like, man, how, how can Mark Rick, like, never win the big game? And, like, what he said was, like, well, he goes home and has, like, dinner with his family and stuff. And the point they were trying to say was, like, Mark Rick did not eat, sleep, and breathe the job. And they were so good at Georgia, but everyone felt like they didn't really live up to their potential. And I think Kirby has unlocked what that job could be. And I think everybody for a long time made Georgia could be that. 
and it seems like they finally have the guy in place. And if they win the title this year, I mean, it's proven that, right? Yeah. So tough, uh, tough spot to be in if you're other SEC East teams at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, but we're certainly going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, big week coming, uh, Thanksgiving week. We're, we've got a couple of mailbags planned for you. Uh, we put out the tweet for the football mailbag. That's the episode that's going to go up on Monday. And then a basketball mailbag on Tuesday. We'll take Wednesday and we'll take the holiday off. May have some stuff recorded, Derek. I don't know. We'll, I'll see what we can do uh, to get through. Then you got basketball uh, Monday night. You got basketball Friday. Then you got Kentucky Louisville on Saturday. I did talk to to Reed Shepard over the weekend, and he's going to hop on Kentucky Daily at some point pretty soon. So I'm going to get that set up. We'll have a guest episode and uh, we'll see what we can do with that. But stay locked into Kentucky Daily. Leave us a five-star review and some ratings there. Uh, as always, we thank you all so much for your support. Uh, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Mm-hmm.